want to read this, these words to you again from Romans chapter 8. As the Apostle Paul writes by the Spirit, and he says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, but rather to live according to the Spirit. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Love that. They are the children of God. Or elsewhere, 1 John chapter 3, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. And that is what we are. Something about kids, isn't it? Children say some of the darndest things. You ever notice that? I mean, just in those moments where uh, you expect something serious and they say something like, ah, of course. Or uh, other times where where you just want to hear a kid and and they can take any circumstance and turn it around. There's uh, been studies on this. They find that um, one of the things we love so much about children is they aren't able to lie with their faces. You, You know what I mean is? If you want to know the truth, just look at a kid. They'll tell you how it is, right? I love this story, a true story. Um, young dad, and this had been years ago, his daughter has since grown up, gone to college, and, and uh, moved on with her life. And, but when she was three years old, um, this young dad's name, not so young anymore, his name's Alex, very successful man, had been an attorney and a, a court judge, the whole deal, and, and a very, very very successful man and um, one day he came home from work to the crying and the wails and the screams of his three-year-old daughter Zoe and his wife met him at the door and said I'm done she's yours you try to figure it out and what he came to find out is that Zoe's pet turtle had suddenly died and she was beside herself inconsolable over the loss of this dearly loved pet and, and so here he's thinking here I'm successful attorney I have dealt with very very difficult and complex circumstances and he realized I'm way out of my league on this one and, and so his first thought that came to his mind is Zoe it'll be okay tell you what let's go to the pet store and we'll buy another turtle just like this one now Zoe even though she was three years old was smart enough to realize that her pet turtle was not a toy. You can't just go to the pet store and buy one just like the one that died. That wasn't going to work, and it didn't work. She kept crying and kept wailing. And with that, her dad had a second thought. He says, I know. Um, How about this? Let's have a funeral for your turtle. Now, she's three years old. She doesn't know what a funeral is. And now he realizes he has to explain what a funeral is. And the closest thing he could come up with, he says, it's kind of like this, Zoe. Uh, It's like having a birthday party for your turtle that died. We'll we'll invite all your friends over. We'll serve cake and ice cream. And she said, do you think we could have lemonade too? And and could we decorate with balloons? And and she started to calm down. It worked. And, And with that, over the next several minutes, they started to plan the party. She's like, do you think we could do pretty 
tablecloths and, and have really fancy napkins and paper plates that match. And, and, and she got all excited. And, and her dad said, of course, we can do all of that. Of course we can. Let's, let's have a, a, a funeral for your pet turtle. And, and she got all excited. And with that, as they were beaming together, the thought of the funeral and, and the party they were going to have, they together looked down at their feet where the dead, dead turtle was still laying there and that's when something really weird happened. The turtle started to move and started to crawl. And, and that's when something even stranger happened. Alex, who wasn't usually short on words, was speechless. And he looked down at his daughter and with her big blue eyes, she kind of weighed in on her options and she looked up at her dad with those big eyes and she said, Dad, let's kill it. <laughs> Kids say the darndest things, don't they? Yeah. But you know, there's something about kids and their honesty that Jesus points to in the gospel reading today. You know, there's very few moments where we get a glimpse of Jesus being upset or angry. <laughs> but we find out there were righteous moments where he did get angry or upset. And uh, one of those, of course, is that episode in the temple where uh, he, he stood up and he turned over the tables and he says, you turned my father's house into a den of robbers instead of a house of prayer that it was intended to be. And, and another time that he gets upset or angry is uh, that glimpse of the kids, the children, even the babies Luke's gospel brings into that, that were being brought to Jesus, that he might, as a holy man, hold these children and bless them, and the disciples would have nothing to do with it. They actually stood between Jesus and the children and the families and said, no, don't trouble Jesus. He doesn't have time for you is really what they're saying. This is not appropriate. And this is one of those moments where Jesus gets mad. The scriptures say he was indignant. And he says, no, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. And he says, I tell you the truth, unless you become like a little child, you'll never enter that kingdom of God. Now, what is Jesus saying there? Is he saying it's more important to be childish in life? Because after all, children, are they always holy and perfect? No, they aren't. They're sinners like the rest of us. And if you ever wondered that, well, just spend some time with a two-year-old for a while. Spend some time with a baby. You feed them, uh, you, you change them, and, and you know what? They get crabby and they have bad days just like the rest of us and get selfish. Is Jesus saying, become like a little child to be childish? I don't think so. But there is something true about children. They are dependent aren't they? For everything. They're dependent on mom and dad. They're dependent on things for food, shelter, safety, security. A child is fully dependent. And a Savior who teaches us to be fully dependent on Him. You know, as we grow in age, it seems that we get more and more dependent, and that seems to be something we celebrate. And I get that. That's part of growing up but the other side of it is, is when our walk or our relationship with God goes in a similar direction where we grow more dependent on ourselves and less dependent on Him. That's kind of what Paul is getting at when he talks about living according to the flesh. He says living according to the flesh actually leads to death rather than life. 
Rather, the Spirit then leads to life as we depend more and more on God. You know, we live in an interesting time, and I think a lot of us really are longing for a return to simpler times. Things are getting more and more complex, and the problems and the complexities of life in our culture and our society are just seemingly out of control. I believe there's a longing in each of us for better days. But it's not just something that's going on out there, it's going on for all of us. Just like Dallas Willard talks about, you know, that what we do like about children is that they can't lie with their faces. But what often happens is people, as we grow up, we get better and better at lying with our faces. It's all about putting on a good impression and impressing people and, and appearing as if everything is fine. While inside of us, we're just turning, we're exhausted, we're tired, we're tired of putting on the act. And how do we deal with that complexity in our life today? You know, there's a lot of places we can go with it. We can continue to turn into trying to avoid circumstances or trying to perpetuate the lie on our faces. Or, and you know what? What often happens is incrementally we step more and more over the line. We, we convince ourselves, at least I'm not like that person. And uh, as studies have shown, all of us often tend to dwell on trying to perpetuate ourselves. But at the same time, we want to also be able to look ourselves in the mirror and say, I'm a good person. What's interesting as the cultural shift more and more is, what's it mean to be good? And we convince ourselves, hey, at least I'm good. And you know what? Have you ever looked at when there's an online article that's posted and then look at the comments? And if anybody says that our society is basically good, start reading the comments that people make. I mean, there's, there can be like a, a murder or an accident on the highway where somebody dies. And you start reading the comments and people are just ripping the situation to shreds saying, well, they got what they deserve for driving down that road, or hey, they must have been texting on their cell phone, or they start making fun of people. And like, what is going on in our culture today? We are surrounded by pain, we're surrounded by violence, we're surrounded by dishonesty. And you might say, well, you know, come on, at least I'm not dishonest. Um, I shared this some weeks ago, I want to share it again. It, it's, I, I love this. You know, they've, they've found that there seems to be a documented high rate of sudden deaths among student relatives around the week before final exams and, and, and term papers are due. Um, and if you've ever wondered what relative is most likely to die, it, it happens to be, and I'm not making this up, Mike Adams, professor at Eastern Connecticut State University, has shown that grandmothers are 10 times more likely to die before a midterm. 19 times more likely to die before their grandson or daughter's final exam. Uh, we're still, as relatives of students who are not doing well in class or are failing, are 50 times more likely to lose poor grandma than non-failing students. It turns out that the greatest predictor of mortality among senior citizens ends up being their grandkids' GPA. The moral of the story, if you're a grandparent, don't let your kids go to college, it'll kill you. And as it that grandparents are dying? No. It's because the right lie will get us through to the next day, give us more time. You know what? We become masters of living a lie. And our God comes among us and says, may it not be. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. And that is what we are. And the one who comes among us today reminds us that Zoe is actually right. 
It's time to kill it. It's time to take the brokenness of our lives, the rejection, the things that tear us apart from God, the dishonesty, the faces that lie, and the actions that lie, and say, Lord, I need forgiveness. I need your grace. And I need to put it to death once and for all. And our Savior says exactly. And it's actually why he's come. He's come to take those burdens, to take that guilt, to take that shame, and to take it to a cross where he would nail it there once and for all, that we might be set free, that we might be loved and forgiven, that we might realize the relationship we have with the Father as children of God, as our brother in Christ takes care of our brokenness and brings us back to that relationship today. You know, John's... John goes on to say, and when he writes about that incredible love of the Father, he says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know, it's something that helps us to realize that today there is reason for cake and ice cream, and there's reason to celebrate into eternity because of his love. In Jesus' name, amen.